After a long sequence of establishing shots, the glow cloud, as generated by Windows 95 screensaver, is on its way to Earth. Kirk bullies his way to the Enterprise to intercept it. We have more beauty shots of the Enterprise than we know what to do with. The whole crew is there, except for Spock, who's on Vulcan, needs a haircut, refuses a necklace, and is hearing space voices. The newly demoted Commander Deckard is filling in for the recently deceased Vulcan science officer, not Spock, who died of narrative convenience. We meet Ilea, Deckard's old flame. They make eyes at each other. We see more angles than we know what to do with when the Enterprise takes off. The most boring three minutes of wormhole ensue. The ship is busted and still so far away from the plot. Bok shows up to move things along. His space voice is coming from the glow cloud. At warp speed, they slowly move towards the plot again. We make it to the cloud. We spend 30 minutes getting into the cloud. Not because it's difficult or plotty, just because they'd like you to see 30 minutes of bad effects and disconnected, uh... I don't know what I wrote there. I'm gonna try that again! To be fair, I feel like we've all had nightmares. Yeah! They just thought you'd like to see 30 minutes of bad effects and disconnected restoration shots. Finally, things start moving again. Ilea is taken by a plasma beam, but don't worry, she'll be back as a robot with no pants on. Poor <laughs> Ilea. Can you imagine how cold her vagina must have been? No! <laughs> Bot goes for a space jaunt. Deckard wants to interface with Bot Ilea, who the glow cloud, now named V'ger, is using to communicate. Kirk has a plan. V'ger has a fit. The Earth is in trouble. Kirk has kind of a plan? They meet V'ger. The Earth is still in trouble. V'ger is actually Voyager, and it landed on Cybertron, and got a really spiffy ride, and is now coming back to Earth to find its creator? Kirk definitely has a plan. V'ger sabotages it. It's not looking great for Earth. Deckard has a plan. V'ger's all for it. Did he just fuck a robot? The Earth is saved. <laughs> With more scenery panning than Lawrence of Arabia, this was Star Trek The Motion Panning. I mean picture. <laughs> Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. Guys, we're at the movies! Movies! I stayed awake through this entire movie! You did! I was also online shopping for most of it. Anyways, I am your host, Kareen. Welcome to Star Trek The Motion Picture, or as I'm going to steal from some kind of choice reviewer in 1979, Star Trek The Motion Sick Picture. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Ari. Hello! Kim! Hello! And today, our special guest, Voice of God, and I don't even know how you summarize that so fast, because there is so much plot to go through. (laughs) Elise! Hello! And we are here to talk about the 1979. Guys, 
I my very first note is, Lord, why does it look so 80s? I hate the 80s so much. Everything Aww. is so dirty. And it didn't even take place in the 80s. No, yeah. but nearly. Same Did this foretell the well, 80s? It was at the cusp of the 70s. It's like right between the 70s and the 80s. And the, 80s. the 70s do like melt into the 80s it's for a while. There's a, there's a very big aesthetic crossover. You don't go full neon denim, like acid wash denim until later in the 80s. Oh no, because what we get here is beige for miles. And very thin at that. Very, <laughs> very thin. Okay. <clears throat> I have been listening to, and Elise listened to a Welsh, Manners, mm-hmm. which is the Manners podcast, and their last episode is about criticism. So giving a good critique. So I'm going to employ the sandwich method for this film. <laughs> Which I learned about in art school and was referred to as the shit sandwich method. (laughs) (laughs) And it is right. So you say something nice that covers up the content of what you want to say, which is mean. (laughs) And then you kind of put another little layer of nice so that hopefully they forget about it. (laughs) Does this premise the idea that you fundamentally dislike the thing? No. No, because you can use it to give any kind of critique. Okay, good, because I really don't dislike this. I mean, it definitely has flaws. But, you know, apart from the, like, 75 minutes of panning shots, I really like this movie. (laughs) Then again, I am disproportionately uh, emotionally invested in tiny space robots. So that definitely biased me. Sure. (laughs) I didn't even make it through Wally. So here is my sandwich method of criticism for this movie. On the good, everyone was acting. This is true. That is a Mm -hmm. fact. Yeah. Everyone Legally, was acting. Everyone was paid to act. And everyone <laughs> was doing unacting. This is a very stale slice of bread, curry. <laughs> Some people acted better than others. <laughs> Some people acted very credibly. The child molester from Seventh Heaven, I thought, did a fairly okay job. <laughs> okay, who? Oh, Decker. Oh, that's what I would have guessed I read by that description. Yeah. <laughs> I read, yes. You're welcome. He was the father. That's like I was looking at him the whole time, going, like, "Where do I know this dude from?" He's the father from Seventh Heaven. That's yeah. really crazy because the mom from Seventh Heaven is exactly. in Verge home. So really, when they find God, God preordained them being in these movies, and neither of them is in that in movie. Heaven. But you know, doesn't matter. They're part of the friendship. Anyways, okay. <laughs> the content of my shit sandwich. Thank you, Elise. Is how the fuck did this get made? <laughs> I am really curious because fundamentally I do not disagree with having a Star Trek movie and this is like 10 plus years after the show ended. Mm -hmm. So there's been enough steam, enough kind of like fan support. No, less than a decade. Okay, whatever. To to make a movie of this. Awesome. Great. So what you want to do is you want to get the gang all back together and you want it to be positive and you want them to be heroic and you want them to be awesome and you want it to be like action-packed, hitting all your favorite hits that you got from the three seasons of television. Instead, (laughs) you make them all look old and like giant, swinging in the wind bags of dicks. (laughs) Yeah. Incompetent dicks at that. Mm -hmm. Placid, useless, decorative dicks. Oh my god, can we change the night the title of this podcast to Flap and Useless Decorative Dick? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, I can give you an answer though. No, no, no. I have before, answers. Before for this. we get the answer. Yes. What's your second piece of okay. bread? Okay. <laughs> my second piece of bread is that um uh, <laughs> I didn't hate the design. Of the spaceship itself, it the was Enterprise? not yes. the Enterprise. That was 
boring. Yeah. Hey. Uh, sorry, man. But I liked the Voyager. 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 I kept calling it vagina. <laughs> so oh my god! It sounds like slang for vagina. It really does. How's your Voyager doing tonight? <laughs> Degree of imagery involved with banned from this podcast <laughs> when they're penetrating the yes, yes, yes. There's, you know what? I, I and it kind I of unfolds this. open like yeah. They use the word orifice like eighteen times. times. I giggled every single one. Yeah, yeah I'm like fair. guys, guys, I'm going in. No, you guys just oh. made this even worse. <laughs> well, no. It, okay, thank you so much, Elise. You're welcome. I'm like, there's something here that just isn't. Anyways, the design of that was interesting. I liked that, you know, there was the energy cloud outside and then inside was, I guess, a probe. I hated it. (laughs) I, like, everything was so, like, disconnected and, like, you went through almost a magic veil to get to the next level and they never quite, like, I guess visually it wasn't that bad, but they also, like, coupled with where they were in the plot... I just couldn't. It's fair. It's fair. There were too many panning shots. So many. So many panning shots. No, like, we are not exaggerating. It is a movie of slow pans. Okay, so here's the thing. Real time. I was watching this, and the whole time, from beginning to end, the only thing I was thinking about was 2001 Space Odyssey. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Because you get the opening scenes of, like, the panning, watching the ships go to the station, following everything through space, and then you get the long, extended sequences of, like, psychedelic space shit. Mm. And then you do actually kind of end up with a space fetus at the end. I mean, not as literal as 2001 went, but, like, that for me was what the movie was visually was a mix of, like, 2001 Space Odyssey... For all of the space stuff. The, and then the slow space the stuff. The slow space stuff. And then the internal stuff to me, um, all the shots of like the crew and the way the stations looked like they were running everything, screamed a lot of Star Wars. Oh, internal yeah. Stations. That's definitely the two things they were trying to visually outdo. Oh, yeah. Like one, they did not. No, they did not. You know another movie that I hate? What movie? 2001 A Space Odyssey. I also hate You're that wrong. Movie. I hate <laughs> See, 2001 Space Odyssey is classic. It's beautiful. I love it. I could, talk, I could watch that movie every, like, once a year and I'd never get sick of it. I could fast forward. This that was movie. so, but it was so, like, this is 10 years after 2001, because I actually went and looked this up. 2001 was, like, 1968 or something, I it think. It was. And it was so obviously trying to echo the visuals of that movie, and I don't understand why you would do that 10 years later. Well, and do it so poorly, too. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen um, Space Odyssey, but, like, every th- like all the stills I've seen of it, the clips that we've seen in film class, like, it's all very designed and well mm. done, and f- definitely for the time, like, something kind of mind-blowing, mm-hmm. but this was just, like, I kept thinking, oh, this is for the time, and then having to remind myself that Star Wars came out a year before it and was visually stunning in every way it that was this was not. a very different thing, though. It was, but it was... Uh, it nothing was designed. Like, no. it felt like it was engineered, not designed. Like, this is a thing that goes here, but we didn't figure out how it fit in the game. Yeah, they didn't really start doing that until TNG. <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. It wasn't really a thing they did. 
So, uh, fun fact, who wants to know how much this movie cost to make? I'm going to guess millions. So, in 1979, this movie cost $35 million. Fuck you. In that's... today's money, that's $124 million. Holy Fuck shit. you. And they yeah. came out with that? Well, here's the thing. Like, I can see how that was a super expensive movie to okay. make. And mm-hmm. not just to pay for Shatner. There, yeah. yeah, there was computer-generated graphics and all that kind of stuff oh, in there. It's a and, like, seven billion models. Movie, mm-hmm. Which is stupid, because... Honestly, Star Trek has never been about the visuals. No. Like, it is about the characters having a fun times adventure, but instead they just ignored all of that Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes tracking shots of the Enterprise. The thing is, they never do this again either. either. Not ever. I'm I'm assuming it wasn't this movie did not go over well at the time. It was not well reviewed, but I think it was. It wasn't well reviewed, it made tons of money. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Yeah. because everybody wanted to go see Star Trek after 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not being well reviewed is like, it's still. That's how it's going to be remembered in the long run. This isn't like a cult classic that everybody watches. Yeah. We watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're torturing ourselves by doing a podcast. I genuinely enjoy this movie. <laughs> I the only movie out of all the, of the original Star Trek movies that I ever skip is Final Frontier. This one always makes it. Fundamentally, at its core, the idea of Voyager being adopted by Transformers <laughs> and then being sent back... I will admit, there were points when I was watching this when I didn't remember which one this was, where I was like, huh, like, I wonder what's up. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird. I guess there's enough of a mystery to kind of carry me along. But that is not enough mystery for an entire motion picture. That's a cute episode of TV. That's okay. how I felt the whole time, is that it was an episode of TV that they expanded out with tracking shots to fill up two yeah, hours. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly and it, how I, I felt. think that's really what killed it, because if it had been a compact episode, it probably would have been a really oh, good yeah, episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it, had been a, if it had been, like, a 50-minute episode of original series, like, even the wild leaps, the suppositions that they make at the end to get to the conclusion would have been better mm-hmm. than they were than they came across in this for me mm-hmm. um because yeah this is exactly what this was this was a 50 minute episode of television that they stretched out to two hours if they, had left, if they had stretched it out to 90 minutes it would have been fine plus there would have been way fewer like long tracking shots i don't think we've mentioned how long those tracking shots are. one of them guys. was a solid 11 minutes long yeah I i spent some time today timing how long these things were and Every time there is an establishing shot goes on for four, five, six minutes. Mm -hmm. And there's like large chunks of maybe 12 minutes that are tracking shots interspersed with reaction shots. Yep. Back and forth. That could have been cut down to like a minute. One. (laughs) 30 seconds. When I watched this last night, I... No, and so no, it was not quite an hour, but I paused it just to see what was going on, like how long this had been. 35 minutes to get Mm -hmm. to the Enterprise leaving, and at that point I went, I can't fucking sit here for this whole thing, and I picked up my cross stitch. (laughs) This movie is two hours and 12 minutes long, which for 1979 is too long, Mm -hmm. but think about what the Fate of the Furious did in exactly that amount of time. Think of the journey that you went on with Hobbes and... Mm-hmm. So, okay. so the actual yes. central story in this movie is what is the monster? What is V'ger? We don't actually meet V'ger in any kind of way face-to-face. We meet robot Ilya. It's an hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. The minority of the movie is taken up with plot. Like, if you could compress the first hour and ten minutes of this movie into, like, 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm really tempted to go through and edit out like 90% of the tracking yeah, shots. Yeah. Because they're beautiful, but they don't need to be six minutes a piece. No. Well, and they also give away the reveal multiple times before you actually get to the reveal. It's Do like they? they couldn't decide 
when to reveal because Spock senses an entity and then he <laughs> what is the end oh no wait the entity, know what is the entity okay let me just go through yeah. this V'ger was the little probey probe mm-hmm. yeah. yeah went out to space mm-hmm. yeah Fell onto Transformer Cybertron. 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 Cool. Mm-hmm. The robots there were like, oh, how cute you are. Let's build you a universe-destroying spaceship. And send you on your way? To yeah. find your creator. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't think it was a universe-destroying spaceship. I think it was a universe-scanning spaceship. And also the ability his to mission. Mm-hmm. Like Cam oh, on Eureka. He All he right, developed cool, cool. well. He's I think the explanation that they came up with out of nowhere at the end was Viger had learned so much of the universe that he had become sentient. It. It. Yeah, it, 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 it had spontaneously yeah, developed, developed. Like, which is interesting. That yeah, is that, interesting. That's if, right? if we had spent much less time like getting to Viger, it's like I I'm sorry, I love this idea. I I love like I loved the the, the previous version of this in the original series episode. With, oh, with the, the robot girl, with the robot, didn't know she was a robot. <laughs> no, no, the um, because we we meet another space probe that tries to destroy Earth. Remember, we are constantly no, running into probes. specifically one an Earth space probe yes. that comes yes. tries to come back. Holy Earth. shit! That this is this episode. Yeah, this is this episode. Fuck you, Gene. Way budget. <laughs> Fuck you. In fairness, that episode is actually kind of like clairvoyant because this this movie, and here I'm going to drop some space program history on you. This movie was made in 1979. Which uh-huh. is two years after the Voyager probes were launched. Okay. So there was a huge presence in popular culture of the Voyager program. People were obsessed with these things. They were the first man-made objects to go out into space. They were going to explore the solar system. They were going to explore interstellar space. People romanticized them. They wrote fiction about them. They wrote comic books about them. Did there they are die? songs written about them. The Voyager probes are still out there and still traveling out. They passed the heliopause. Well, Voyager one passed the heliopause, oh. left the solar system. In yeah, that's right. 2012. I remember that. That was not. That wasn't too long ago. It yep. was a big deal. And mm-hmm. It was. It is a big. Deal. It was right at the beginning of NASA's like popular resurgence in yep. culture. Mm-hmm. It's the first man-made object to lead, to enter interstellar space. We still love and romanticize these little robots. They're still out there. Now they only were made two. This is Voyager Six feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but people still fucking love these little space robots. And by people, I mean me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, so this point. is one of the reasons I think that they, they were tricked into spending $124 million in this movie, because they were capitalizing not only on Star Wars, which happened the same year the Voyager yeah. probes were launched, and 2001 Space Odyssey stylistically, but people love those little space robots. But okay, absolutely. Plus and there's on- na- lots of NASA consultation on this movie, too. And Isaac Asimov was the science advisor yeah. for and it. And oh. I saw in the credits, I was like, where? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, science. I'm guessing my money is on the wormhole. It's either that him was, or oh Carl Sagan. God. Okay, that fucking wormhole. Can we talk about the Let's talk about the wormhole. Yeah. Okay, okay, that no, was the like, longest three minutes of wormhole okay, ever. People holding onto things and like slightly vibrating themselves. Yeah. Very sexual. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. It was very disturbing. Okay, let's reel her back. <laughs> let's reel her back right to the beginning. So, we start with Klingons? First yeah. new Klingons! Yes! I love Why? that. I was happy. Um, to bring back a familiar species that people But they protected. don't look! What That's do they look true. like? Okay, no, that is true. They don't look like what they look like. Okay, so, for people who haven't seen this, aka Melee, um, <laughs> whereas in original series, Klingons have just been, like, actors in black shoes. Faux Klingons. Guys have head ridges that go from, like, the nose through the middle of a bald head all the way down and across. And they don't look like next-gen 
Klingons as we know them. And I was shocked for a minute because I don't, I don't remember seeing them at all here. But do you know what twinged? What? Have you seen any of the promo shots or any of the leaked pictures of the Klingons from Discovery? No. They're stylistically similar to these Klingons. Okay. So they're like intermediary Klingons. Yeah. It was weird. Hmm. What I want to touch on for the Klingons, sorry, Kim, to yeah, totally No, it's totally you, fine. Is that their ship has very tiny view screens. They all, yeah. Klingon ships always have very tiny view that's screens. True. That's still true. Totally impractical. And on, we see other, sh- other races that don't have view screens at all. But do how, everything by instruments that don't have visual. But how? Uh, well, the Jem'Hadar have those horrible little tiny, they have like. VR things. The VR, little head-mounted VR things. Everybody else seems to just use them for intimidation. Space is dumb. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there's really no reason for navigation purposes you need a view screen. Yeah. I was glad when the Klingons, they get disintegrated by guitar licks. Yes. Basically, yeah. I think my favorite part was their hopeful music as they go yeah. to, and then two of their ships destroyed, and then the hopeful music continues as they retreat. <laughs> I, it was the funniest thing. That was hilarious. It Although was. I really enjoyed seeing the Klingons doing space stuff. Mm. Not All just they do is get killed. Yeah, but we actually see them, like, for instance, sending a distress call to a Federation station. So it's like, these aren't just, you know, those untrustworthy commie bastards. Original series. It's sl- it's very slightly, like, 2% more nuanced, and I really appreciate it. Oh, that. that was the other part of my sandwich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I was making, like, a club sandwich here, the other uh-huh. piece of bread that I would slide in is that the music on this... Oh, God, amazing. ...is actually really good. Yeah. Not in context of what is happening on yeah, screen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that... that- there's no connect. I did not realize that this that this is where the next gen theme music oh, yeah, came from. Because yeah, yeah. the theme music for this is the theme song for Star Trek Next Generation. Jerry Goldsmith yeah. makes his debut, which I did not realize. Yep. It's great. Mm. Um, I also love how they. <laughs> My note to myself is this guitar solo is really angry, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm ready... having a like intergalactic oh, tantrum. It doesn't mm. make any sense. We meet the worst actress on this movie, which again is high praise indeed. Okay, which one? Okay, she is the one in the stupid probe who's, like, looking out the window at these people being disintegrated. Yeah, sure. Okay. Space station. Oh, no. (laughs) It's coming towards us in five... four... (laughs) three... The acting was not great. Okay, it felt like a video game. Mm -hmm. Because there's lots of, like, on-screen, in-your-face, staring out from uh, view screens. It feels a lot like a video game. Yeah, they used a lot of, like, Like tactical tactical Mm -hmm. type display stuff on the screens in this. It was Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. They were enjoying using their effects budget, and I was happy for them. Mm -hmm. They were spending money. I was so tired of everything being blinky lights and analog dials. Well, they spend all their money on beige fabric. Okay, are beige we Beige and, like, slate blue. Can we talk God. about the costumes right yeah. now? I know okay. Kim has a lot of pent-up anger oh, about these costumes. I hate these costumes so much! What do you call these costumes, Kim? The Ethel from Boca costumes. They look like something a retired woman would wear with a fanny pack. They are yeah. very fanny pack-esque. Like, their belt buckles? Make no sense. It no. would really help if they had a fanny pack, because then you couldn't see the dick right through the fabric. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> like, That full shot of Deckard standing there confronting um, yeah. Kirk. He's just standing there, and you're like, oh... Oh, I see all your business. Do you remember oh. that story Marina Sirtis tells about how they had special Star Trek underwear? <laughs> she told this at Emerald City a couple of years ago, but I've actually seen her do it in interviews before, that they had special underwear for underneath the uniforms, because 
It showed everything. On everyone until they changed them in season two. Well, and fabric is so unforgiving. Yeah. yeah. Because it, again, it just clings to your the body. The cheapest polyester money it, can buy. Like, oh, it, it looks Jesus. like a spandex polyester or something. It is. And it's, it's like the shades are horrible. They've got mm. gray. Yeah. Brown. Yeah. Tan. Yeah. Gray blue. Yeah. And white. Yeah. And it's awful. Okay. What it, partly what they put me in mind of. Was yoga cult, yoga cult, yoga cult. Yeah, yoga cult. Yes, yes but also ask me like, how many times Crane said that during the movie. <laughs> None. I said it all to myself. But also Bajoran uniforms in DS Nine, except with no colors. But the Bajoran ones, at least, like you don't hate them and you're not violently opposed to their existence. Well, they're just like, utilitarian. Whereas these ones are just fucking ugly. And they're so. Boring ones. Yeah. See, my thing is, I don't actually have a lot of strong feelings about them because they are so blah. It makes it hard to form feelings. There is one uniform that I did like. Like, I loved it. And that was Kirk's Admiral uniform. The top he was wearing that had was blocked, black and white blocking, was, it looked great. I thought that looked fantastic. That is it. Everything I absolutely believe you and probably agree with you, but the tide of beige has wiped out all my (laughs) memories. My favorite is the like sporty little t-shirts that Sulu like and Kirk those. wear at some point halfway oh, through. They look way they better. Are, like Sulu they've got this Kirk. little tiny V-cut and they've got like cute little cap sleeves. <laughs> like, those are adorable. No, I'm a security guard. The oh my god! Who is with the football helmet with and the, the pads. rugby oh helmet with the Starfleet insignia on his yeah. forehead. Like fuck you. <laughs> For me, the most offensive one yes. was whatever the fuck leisure suit DeForest Kelly was wearing with the oh giant medallion he like, first showed yeah. up with the giant medallion nestled in his chest that hair. That's what you I like in your so angry. Time. No, he is fresh out of Studio Fifty Four, girl. Basically, yes. yes. He is ready to party. He's got like, uh, he's got like a collar and he's like got like sleeves. a cocaine beard on. Yes, oh it laughs so hard. He this is terrible. such a wild oh movie in terms of fashion. It's like the Regency era of Star Trek fashion. It makes no sense compared to what came before or what came after. Later in later movies, when they're in like their off time camping or whatever, they're wearing jeans and leather jackets. Yes. Okay, here like, is where I would like because fashion very much leads into this. Is that I have to share the unfortunate news. That I knew was coming, but it was still hard for me to get here. And I would like to share with all of you the sad passing of my attraction to William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> she was wailing oh. like a widow on the sea. <laughs> it is over between us. <laughs> so anything that ever had been, I mean, we had that time together. We had three seasons of glorious television, and my love for him, where I would have gladly luged up and down his body all day. <laughs> but no longer. Crane, I'm really glad you put this behind you because the next movie is going to throw you for a loop in, well, those, in that regard. I'm pretty sure there's nowhere to go but downhill. Although <laughs> that's, I have that's to admit, accurate. he is slim as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah everyone movie. is he look, crazy. He looks not movie. too bad in this. He this looks movie. like he's made out of plastic because he's clearly had okay, on the out. other yeah. end of the spectrum. Um, there are there are two ends of a spectrum for Spock specifically. There is hippie Mullet? commune Spock. The mm-hmm. wig was so bad. It's a very bad wig. But can we talk about how awesome he looked when he str- like strutted on board the Enterprise? That is maybe my favorite Spock costume really? of the entire canon. It looked good. He looked like he was there to take over for the dark side. He looked like okay. he was a medieval minstrel. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. And if you had brought out a loot, but maybe a I would have liked it more. Medieval minstrel. <laughs> dark loot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so. Yeah. Okay, let's just dissect. Spock, his eyebrows are wild and out of control. Mm-hmm. Like, Ever, like, everybody who hasn't been in Starfleet this entire time, so Bones has left Starfleet, Spock has left yeah. Starfleet, has left they both look go. like they have, like, and I think they probably have literally been living in a mountain mm-hmm. for the last two yeah. years. So what do we think happened between the three of them? Because yes, there's some issue. Oh I'm my nestling god. Up. I'm nestling up. I'm nestling up. Because this is what I have a real problem with. <laughs> <laughs> in, and amongst, in and amongst other things. is because none of the characters have any continuity from the previous three seasons. Mm-hmm. And they all are giant tools. And none of them are enjoying each other's company. No, I cannot believe this movie was two hours long and there was no character anything in this No film. kitchen table in the entire movie. There was There's nothing. There's the part where... Kirk and McCoy are sitting around trying to, like... In the orange lounge. Trying to get Decker to bone the alien. Yeah. Yeah. Like, bone her memory back. Yeah. And they're both sitting there watching him on TV, drinking space coffee, and it was like, is this happening? Yep. Is this what people paid money to make, and then people paid money to film, and then people paid money to watch? Someone should pay. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like there lives. was a, a real bad off-screen breakup when they oh, all just yes. kind of with each other and Starfleet. Yeah, and they all just kind of left and are now coming back and nothing was resolved. No. No, and again, like if you're going to do this movie, which I think the very first reboot Star Trek movie did really well, is you're getting the gang back together again yeah. for one well, last Scott adventure. Scott who's happy to see anyone. Scott is the only yeah. one who's kind of happy with his life choices. Like, yeah. you get the sense well, that Sulu, Kirk is... Sulu seemed pretty happy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. let's all talk about what happened to Sulu, Chekhov, and Ahura, whom I feel super shitty for. Um, there's a great book, which is The Oral History of Star Trek, which I recommend that everyone reads, mm-hmm. talking about the negotiations that were required to make this film. Oh, really? Talking specifically working with DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy and Shatner and their, I don't know, ego trips about <laughs> how much of their face would be on screen. Like, okay, if he's going to be in 50% of the shots, then I need to be in 50% of the shots. Like, down to that kind of detail. Oh, Jesus. That's crazy. So, you can imagine how that, like, it's very much a Juliana Margulies and What's-Her-Face. See, and this is where I usually stop reading because it depresses me and makes it it harder for me to enjoy what's on screen. It is depressing because I think a lot of the movie was dictated not so much by story Mm -hmm. or by the requirements of the plot. So much it was dancing around these delicate egos to just get a film made. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It felt really weird to go back and have everybody so much visually older and still in the same place on the bridge. Like, what the hell happened to Sulu's career? Yeah, and I mean, I think he's going to be okay. They correct that in later films, thank God. And then Chekhov is basically around for crowd scenes, and you never see him. You do. He's in charge He's on the weapons. bridge every time. Is he in weapons? Yeah, yeah. He he's so in every bridge like, scene. But it feels shitty that it's, like, I feel like 20 years later, and they didn't go anywhere with their careers? Yeah. I think it's, it's been, like, two years. Uh, oh, no. That's what it says. But the thing is, okay, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Kirk, Kirk, has been, Kirk has been working as the head of Starfleet, like, command logistics or whatever. He hasn't yeah. logged a star hour in, in two, two and a half years. Yeah, so he's yeah. been out. Yeah. So... If if he ended his five year mission 
and then went was promoted to admiral or something. I don't know. That's the impression I got. Because there was two years of cartoons, right? The cartoons count as their five-year mission. Technically, yes. Okay, they aged like 40 years in two days. Maybe some, maybe whatever may cause the breakup uh, was real (laughs) stressful. Here's the thing about their relationships is that we get really used to, especially in later franchises, of the the characters having this totally unbreakable, like, family bond, Mm -hmm. which did not happen in original series by any, not on the show, because everything was still, sort of, sometimes, when they weren't retconning it back and reversing everyone's character. But, okay, so everything always felt very precarious by comparison to the other shows. And then, you know, it ended, clearly they were all assigned in different places, and then they got brought back together for a very well, sort of contrived reason, and what? they still Objection. didn't have that relationship. Sort of contrived? Okay, very it's contrived. Really I was being nice. Okay. This isn't like Worf showing up in the Defiant and Riker saying nice little ship. I don't understand that reference. It's okay, you will. But it's gotta be better than this But, like, was. later on, they put real work into forming that bond and making it believable. Because in the later movies, especially the next three, it's a very different attitude between the seven of them? Well, the problem is is that your main character, Kirk and Spock, are both assholes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Assholes. Yeah. At least you want to take away, like, Kim, like, sorry, not Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk's approach to I'm how he gets what you really Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he just, I mean, he goes in there and goes and talks to the brass and is like, hey, I'm having my ship back because reasons by yeah. and shows up kicks the perfectly competent more competent more competent who actually knows the current ship captain decker down to science officer auxiliary because exo science op- yeah and then spock shows up and then decker has absolutely nothing to do exo and, always felt like a pretty useless job yeah like and he's a dick to Decker the whole time. Decker puts up with so much. I actually felt really bad for him because he's like trying so hard to be like, you're my superior officer, okay? Could you please not blow up my ship? Yeah. There was some, there could have been an interesting plot in Kirk's inability to like let his ship go and wanting to get back to a, a position of, like if he was feeling unfulfilled in his current job, etc., etc. But they never really they only sort of skated around that, and mm. it could have been at least something for something like some kind of story in there. But it's like I don't a plot want they started. Yeah, it's they, they didn't finish. But mm-hmm. I don't want that as the triumphant return of the Enterprise. Yeah, no, it's just, depressing. Just see, it's depressing as hell. It's like you've all been in exile and you've been grudgingly invited back. Well, yeah. not that you've been invited back. Is that you're horning your way back in on your glory days? Yeah, yeah. and they yes. are past. Yeah. Oh, and then you know that character dies at the yeah. end. So sweet quest. Got it forever. Bye. I think that was the worst part because Decker, quite honestly, is a better captain than Kirk throughout this entire movie. And that's where my big distaste of it comes from is that Kirk is not competent. He's not good at his job. He shouldn't be there. No. He brings nothing to the table. No. Like the scene when they finally actually delve into the emergency, he's better than Decker. But debatable. here's, Here's the thing he's very, let's not risk the ship. Which, up until they're actually in the deadly situation, sounds fine. But then, we're already irretrievably in the deadly situation, and he's still like, we should run away home! 
And everyone on the bridge is like, have you never been in a space battle, child? They would have never got there if he hadn't helped them through the wormhole. Like, yeah, it sort of flips. And I feel like Deckard, like, if Kirk wasn't there, he would have been like, he he would have navigated it differently. Because at this yes. point, he's trying to mitigate Kirk. He's trying to be like, voice of sanity here. Yeah. Maybe we think about another option. Whereas I feel like if he was in charge, he'd be like, guys, give me the options here. Yeah. And kind of... You know, because obviously their mission is to intercept this and figure out what's going on, but... Mm-hmm. I really liked the scene between Kirk and Decker where Kirk drags Decker to his quarters to dress him down for countermanding his order. Yeah. And Decker basically is like, you were not doing things correctly and you would have, like, destroyed us. And Kirk has to be, oh yeah, that's fair. There's, I there's literally a moment here where Kirk's about to, like, lay into him and then he stops with his finger in the air and he goes... That's a good point, and walks away. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I like that scene because Kirk was being a dick. But I again, I agree with Crane. I don't like it because that's not what I not, want my yeah. characters to be doing. That's, and again, no. if you're going to do that, what you eventually have to do is, oh, you're the new young guard. You think you know everything, and the old guard has some has still has something to share. But I am grudgingly passing you the baton because I, yeah. I believe that now you have the best of our knowledge mm-hmm. and the best of your knowledge mm-hmm. and you are ready to go on. But it isn't that story no, either because he fucking died. Yeah, I did yeah. not like at all that they don't resolve that conflict at all. No, mm-hmm. because his his arc is, I was totally in the right and I tried to do a good job and I got punished for it and then I got dead. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Which apparently is what I really wanted, because if I can't have the Enterprise, I might as well be yeah. having sex with a robot? Yeah. Slash the universe? <laughs> it's unclear. Well, oh. And here's my problem with the Ilea plotline. Oh, if we oh, can jump on that. Lordy, lordy, let's talk about this. Narratively, it should have been Decker that got grabbed by the plasma beam. Yes. He's literally doing nothing. He is literally wandering between stations. Mm-hmm. The plasma beam hits him first. Mm-hmm. And then for... An inexplicable reason, other than she is the female love interest, it grabs Ilea. It should have flipped the other way. Yeah, she should have absolutely. been the one. Point of order. Mm. The novelization actually has an explanation for this. Which oh, yeah. is? Point of order. She's they put it in the fucking movie. She's telepathic and he's not. Well, they, I don't that care. needs to be in yeah. text in the yeah, movie. I agree. Okay, so, okay. The thing with Ilea is that they bring her on the ship. Everyone goes like, oh my god, she's Delton. They don't explain no, what that no, means. No. She's Delton. No. She walks on the ship. This is the only thing I remember from the last time I watched this movie is her saying, like, my oath of chastity is yes. on record. Yes. 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 They yes. never yes. explain. Yes. No. Because, and okay. then they make yeah. have her make eyes at Decker and we're supposed to believe, like, oh my god, they shouldn't be doing that. But no one tells us why. That was the craziest part because... I looked up. I was like, okay, it's the bald lady. Fine. Mm-hmm. I looked down. I looked back up again. I feel like her first fucking line of dialogue is like, oh, yes, I have my vow of chastity. What? Why are you Why are you volunteering that information? Is my, that pertinent? My favorite thing is that from seeing this for the first time, that line comes right after Kirk comes up to her. It's the first thing she says to Kirk. Yes. If she looks at him, her demeanor completely changes, and she goes, my vow of chastity is on record. Okay, <laughs> but now, if she was telepathic, and if he was liking, I would like to bone that, then that makes sense? Yeah. yeah. That is fucking horrible. Yeah. If it is. Delton's, I, I researched this. So here's the thing about Decker and Ilea, is that they were the prototype for Will and Deanna. 
Because his name is Will. Are you sure this yes. in the middle of the movie? I did. And my light was yeah. like rolling on the ground with <laughs> yeah. it blowing And my the thing mind. about the Deltons is that they appear, I think we get five more Deltons throughout the course of the original really? series movies. Yep. And never again. They're mentioned in Enterprise, apparently. There's an episode where someone talks about, really? like, having to deal with Deltons and his dad sending him to the gym to, like, work off the boner or something. <laughs> when they're, when they have, when they have Orion Slade girls in the ship as, like, a fun old recollection, like, might help you in your time of need or whatever. What? Yep. <laughs> but they're never mentioned again, and I think that's because they decided that they were going to go into Azoids instead. So they have these sort of very sensual psychic people who seem really rude and weirdly open slash kind of aloof to humans, but are actually, they sound fun, honestly, according, from the memory She's not fun. No, but. She's the the, opposite of fun. Well, okay, so apparently canonically the oath of celibacy thing is Starfleet regs, if you can believe that. That's why she mentions it, that Deltons and Starfleet have to have an oath of celibacy on the record. Because humans are uncontrolled, well, I don't want to say uncontrollably, but like uncomfortably attracted to them. I don't know. That's the that is the all the explanation thing. we ever get. Dumbest and like I said, this so this species is totally abandoned by the time the original series ends. Yikes. The original series movies end, but, but we get Betazoids instead, so it's fine. Betazoids <laughs> are awesome. I love Betazoids. They're great. Yeah, I also okay. love how Kirk takes over the ship. Just as a as a sidebar, go back. Yeah. He takes over the ship. No one tells Daphne. <laughs> nope. I love that. Like the, they're like, we oh got the God. note that you're in charge now. We didn't tell Decker. They couldn't like yeah. send him an email. They've all got those little calm things in their wrists. It's not like they couldn't reach they him. They all have smartphones or smartwatches. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. Like send the boy a text. Yeah. Give him a heads up. And Kirk just like sort of marching down to Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't like try and like soften the blow or anything. He's just no. like, I'm in charge. You're number two. Later. He basically yeah. dashed his dreams. Yeah. yeah. And I think, actually, all of Deckard's reactions were on point. Like, oh, yeah, completely yeah. fair. I would have done exactly the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you're in charge of, I don't know, the good ship Lollipop. Fantastic. I've been working my entire life to be in charge of a candy ship. This has been my dream. And then, like, the Monopoly man shows up and is like, no, bitch, I'm in charge. <laughs> Why? <laughs> the thing is, he does this to everyone. He shanghais, like, everyone. Bones, he sounds like he straight up kidnaps. Yeah. 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 So he, yeah. Like, He's Bones, like, I was in an opium den. I had plans today. Yeah. But, like, so Kirk, when he wa- marched in and spent two minutes with the Admiral to get the ship back, like, literally had them go into the woods, pull Bones out, and be like, oh, by the way, we're emergency reactivating your commission, even though you quit with, like, this little known rule. And yeah. basically, but there's no reason doesn't. to bring Bones there because no. he doesn't know doctoring anymore. And he yeah. doesn't do anything. Oh, no, he stands on his, like, he's the fucking Jiminy Cricket of this. As always. Standing on Kershaw, yeah. like, you're doing it wrong. That's probably why he always like, does. brought him back. Like, it, yeah, I assume I so. It's like, Oh shit, Kirk's gonna get this, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Quick, Why who do we have on record who can control him? Okay, two people, Wells Fox and Vulcan. Hey, I know. Yeah. But why does Kirk get the ship? He has pull. I assume he blackmailed someone. But I don't know. Like, Why? Like, they call him in to consult, and, and then he, like, blackmails his way. It's like, how about I just go on the ship? Okay, let's talk about his little cute Vulcan... Assistant, not Spock, who not gets Spock. turned into a human candle. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. That actually sounds nicer than what probably happened. What I... would have happened science wise? Oh, here's where Isaac Asimov really like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isaac's time to shine. <laughs> well, uh, I think I've been some screaming. I, I, yeah. First off, god. I like the idea that Kirk is like, no, you have to have a science, a Vulcan science officer. That's just the way starships yeah. work. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that portion. 
but the whole thing with the transporter malfunction i was expecting that to play some sort of part later no. on in the plot no. it, they have they, they literally use it to kill off the science officer yeah, mm-hmm. and that's it we never hear of it again oh we fixed it it's so yeah, great fine. because they Yeoman Rand, although I think she's like lieutenant at some yeah. yeah. point. I was so happy to see Rand by the way. Rand is not really Rand. And she kind of bounces because she's in a whole bunch of the other movies as sometimes mm. like yeah. random cafeteria standing person oh. number five. Yeah. She's I in a lot of terrible them. for this actress. So something goes wrong. It accidentally kills two people. Kirk's like horribly. Sh- horribly kills him. Kirk is like shit. But just keep beaming people up, though. Yeah, like, it's fine now. Totally cool. The thing about transporters is that later on, the like transporter accidents are. By the time we get to TNG, it's like this never happens. Like, it statistically never happens anymore. And the idea of it is like something that only happens in legends and just eighty like years airplane. ago. But in this one, okay, your choices are either this happens often enough that people are just like hardened to the horrible reality. Or it never happens, and people feel totally safe about transporters. You don't get to, like, have both. Mm. This is a very serious consequence. They were put back together wrong. In the wrong order. Lynching and Harry Potter. Yeah, like that, but on the molecular level. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're blobs. And not fixable. But they can clearly still feel pain. Yeah. And which, scream. Which is where people were getting horrified was for, like, when they started recombining, like, coming back together, they were put back together wrong, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. lost and their all of them. Yeah. So, like, half of them. There's a lot of weird body horror in this for yeah, a second. quite a lot. Because there's the bit with these human candles, and then there's a the bit with, I keep, Ilya? Ilya. Who gets, like, taken over by yeah. creepy robots? Rebuilt, yeah. Is she Okay, is, so she gets kidnapped. Yes. Murdered, scammed, and then slash murdered. Yeah. Then Viger builds a robot double. Is that yes. what it is? I think yes. that's what happens. Yes. Is it? Yes. Yeah. She's so physically a different. I she because at nanobots. some point, at some no. point, you saw giant floating Ilya body in yeah. in the yeah. Viger ship, mm-hmm. and that's his scan of her. Yeah. So like, scan, it scans everything. Yeah. yeah. So that so so what comes back to the ship in the bitching bathrobe with the <laughs> amazing popped collar um, is not Ilya. It's Ilya bot. Yes. They could copy her memory exactly, but they couldn't copy her clothes, apparently. No, but Feature had somewhere in his memory bank a little tiny. Okay, here's no. the thing. Here's the thing. She got when the she robe comes from the ship, because yeah. she comes back in That's the shower. That's a bathrobe. That's a straight up bathrobe. Uh, she because comes she comes. Back. Yeah, What's she the point of a back. bathrobe that doesn't like. <laughs> even maybe come I don't from know. Maybe, maybe on like, Delta, like, that's what they do. You look also like. have. Bath pants? No, my wearing? concern is why were the high heels in the shower? Yes! <laughs> the Lucite high heels! Okay, yeah, what was that? a communal shower. You don't want your feet touching the But ground. it's not a communal shower. It's in crew quarters. That is a set of we private don't know quarters. About their... Some lady on that ship, or gentleman, just is really missing. wanted to feel sexy. Or other. <laughs> wanted to feel nice, and they got a cute robe and some yeah. heels. Yeah. Yeah. Heel, clear Which plastic. They left hanging he- in the shower. Clear plastic heels in the shower are a bad idea. Yeah, it seems unwise. I want to know the acrobatics that she had to pull to not flip that robe up oh in any God. way. Like, I was know. it weighted? It there's fashion tape. Be. You can see it in a couple it of scenes. It had to be because, like, she, there's a couple of shots that are just, like, 
at, aimed pretty much there yeah. as she's walking, and I felt fucking terrible like, for this actress. Yeah, literally, it's barely below the cross. Yeah, like yeah. not only did they force this actress to shave all of her beautiful hair off. Okay, I'm sorry. I love the shaved head. I thought she looked great. Mm. She looks off. She looks. She looks amazing. She looks fantastic. But apparently, it was super traumatic for her. Oh, um, she was a former Miss India. Oh, or sorry, Miss Universe. I noticed she got a no. big introducing credit in the opening. She was great. A lot of her scenes were cut. Really? So a lot of her a lot of her scenes were cut from the script and a lot of her scenes that were shot were cut from the movie. Apparently oh. there are more Aaliyah scenes in like the extended edition that exists on what else I have did she no do? idea what how, Well there's a lot more background stuff about her and Decker and about Delphi's. How bad Eight was hours. what they originally filmed that this is what they came out with? I it's I, not that. I think they cut out a lot of explanation. Like, almost all of Ilya's background is in bits. Like, I've seen a couple of them. There's at least one that is just about, is her talking to Decker about how they met and, and her planet and her people. It's probably the most on-screen information we ever get about Delton. So they, like, cut out plot yeah. for panning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, yes. Yikes. But I, I think they all watched Star Wars, and they were like, you know what people really loved about Star Wars? <gasps> Fucking spaceships. Okay, like, I'm gonna mispronounce this horribly, but her name is Persis Kambara. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. Uh, she, apparently, she was so upset at losing her hair that she kept it in a box. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. Jaden yeah. Smith did that, but he brought his as a date to the Met Gala. <laughs> he literally, she he literally showed up with a handful of his dreads. That's. All right. <laughs> Wow. I find the Met Gala fascinating. It's great. It's so very, very much weird shit. I think it's the most fashion that I enjoy. Yeah. Because, like, runway fashion, I could care yeah. less about because it's like, yeah. But in context. Things. But it cost you. Yeah. Now we're talking. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. They should have, like, taken their cues from <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. That would have been some yeah. real I'm good. Like, how do you go to space where you have space aliens and space future and come up with a, that mm-hmm. as your costuming choice? Yeah. Like, it does nothing on screen. It's the most boring colors you can think of. Yeah. You have an entire movie screen to fill up with stuff. Yeah. They chose not to chose beige. It was a very visually uninspiring movie. Yes. Yes. And the few times you do get color, like, there's some matte paintings in there. Like, when Spock. Yes. And then when they go see V'ger. And I was just like... Oh, oh no! They ran out of money or time or something. I love that. They're not good. No, span. they're not good. But I love a good matte painting. Oh, yes. yeah, I and love they do a succeed in, in conveying the scale. No, no, I think they do. They did. Scale was one of the things I was like when in, in all these panning shots, they're either so close yeah. that you can't tell how big yep. the things are, or there's no, um, the other ships aren't there for scale, mm-hmm. or the scale is super weird. Like the, the opening shot of the Enterprise where Scotty and Kirk are coming in, Yeah, their sizing is super off. So they look kind of big in comparison yeah. <laughs> to this ship that should be massive. Yeah. But I... Yeah, I'm so glad we have like a nice visual artist <laughs> on here for this. Um, I was never actually sure how big the V'ger glow cloud was supposed yeah, to be, and like the, big. the 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 opening thing that kept happening, opening and closing. I was like, I don't know if that is supposed to be big enough to fit just Spock or like the entire Enterprise through. Mm-hmm. They kept having people floating by as if like, yes! yes! that was so weird. I, I, I don't know whether that was an attempt to create scale so we can kind of understand how. I think one guy managed to cut that out perfectly, and they just used the same one over and over again. 
Because it's like every exterior shot near yeah, the space dock. Yeah, there's a dude floating around. Yeah. And I don't, like, I don't get it because, like, it may have been foreshadowing for Spock's spacewalk. That's not a good thing yeah. except foreshadow. this guy can clearly control for more than ten seconds his little yeah. space suit. Spock's so, was like an emergency evac one. Yeah, so but, it's like... I did like what? I did like the little guy standing on the space dock in the spacesuit waving them off. <laughs> that was cute. I that liked was that very a lot. cute. Um, can we talk about Spock for a little bit here? Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Spock is on top of a mountain. He's been meditating for two years or whatever, att- attaining inner peace and like sure. tranquility, which I think Tuvok is a colonar master. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's t- he's basically attempting to be the most zen that a Vulcan can be. But the he- most Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's trying to reach peak Vulcan, um, mm-hmm. but he can't because he's hearing space voices. Mm-hmm. Whose voice? Vegers. But here is my question. Is Spock the only telepath in the whole universe yes. that can hear Viger, and why? I would have loved to know if, for instance, Ilea sensed Viger, but I feel like that was probably in a scene that was cut since her being a telepath was apparently important to the plot, but they took that out of the final version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, see, I assume this is pure headcanon. I think probably a lot of telepaths do, but we also know that most Vulcans didn't because only Spock does on the, Vulcan. The necklace committee didn't seem bothered. No, the necklace committee was like, what the hell is your problem? And the then like, committee are assholes. <laughs> and funny. his brain. And, and they were like, oh, your human blood is messing up your telepathic powers. You should leave. I would also love to believe that they're like, yes, you've studied so hard and finally we'll give you the ceremony necklace. And he took one look at that and was like, oh, I'm not wearing that. No, that clashes with everything I own. Oh, uh, I'm human! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's kind of interesting because we know that later Spock does abandon the pursuit of perfect Kolinar. Like, later on, he's like, he sort of achieves this balance, which is great and really interesting as a character thing. Mm. I kind of wonder if, again, missing plot point, if maybe the reason he could sense it is because he was, you know, meditating on a mountain kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas everyone else is, you know, normal level. Yeah, they're like, telepathic, everyone's around me, like, there's a lot of noise. I quite like the suggestion, because what she says is, this touches your human blood. Mm. That's, and but that how? makes me think that it's it's because Shit. he's a telepath and also has feelings. And no, it's because Voyager is from Earth and he has the link. Because, and that, yeah. Because it's going to see its creator. But it's like this that's whole thing. Dumb. This Such whole face is beautiful. <laughs> this whole thing, like one of the through running lines of this is that that what allows people to like transcend pure logic, Vulcans, mm-hmm. is the ability to like go beyond to have faith in what you can't see or prove. And that is, like, that is one of Spock's things throughout the original series, is that his fight between, like, choosing pure logic or or human intuition and feelings and and love was the answer all along. Yeah, always. What is the thesis of this movie? I don't know, but it kind of breaks down when you get, because Viger is pure logic. That was kind of one of the the things they were talking about. That Viger is trying to find something beyond pure logic, but isn't capable of doing it on its own. Yeah, but, like, why would he then connect with Spock in his logic, lack of logic telepathy thing if like there's a bit of a no, disconnect it makes, there it, no crap it, it does, does make sense, sense. no <laughs> it, does. Sense. it does it does i'm sorry i actually sense. had this one it we does make it. sense because spock is again functioning from a base of pure logic but has the kind of human yearnings Handicap. knows that there is more to life beyond the pure logic the same way that viger does mm. is that it is pure logic but it has the sense it has the feeling that there is something more to be attained so mm. spock tries to go about it by going pure logic once mm. more and so going down that road to find his because what decker 
says is like they're trying to find a higher plane of existence, which is the most bullshit thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But anyways, so they're all they're trying to attain something more than what they are. And Spock tries to go about it at pure logic. Mm. And so does V'ger. Mm. It tries to logic its way through its situation. I will finish my coding program and at that point I will be fulfilled and I'll reach another mm-hmm. another realm yeah. another rung in the evolution. Mm. And so they both learn Fuck you, Ari. I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to be mad when you figured this out, but I've got basically no. what you just said written at the end of my notes. Yeah, and so then they both learn that in order to transcend, to become more than they are, that they have to look beyond logic to the matters of the heart. In Fuck a later you. film, I, th- I don't think it's the next one. It might be... It's either the next What's one the next or it's... One? The next one... Mm. Is that Wrath of Khan? Wrath of Khan is the next mm. one. I cool. don't know if it's Wrath of Khan or like a couple later, but there's a scene with Spock, who at this point is... I don't know if he's an ambassador. I think he's an ambassador. Does he have a wig? Yes. God, let's um, talk about the wig. Oh, it's hey, so bad. bad. I just want to He has this scene with a young Vulcan woman who is, like, hardcore Vulcan, thinks humans are ridiculous, still somehow in Starfleet, uh-huh. um, sort of goes with Spock, and he they, like, have a drink, and she, like, fangirls him a little as much as a Vulcan can, and and basically is like, how do you deal with them? They're so full of feelings. And, and, and he's like, well, let me tell you what I've learned over my, like, million years, tiny child, of dealing with humans. And he says... Logic is only the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Mm. And it is one of the most iconic Spock lines, and it basically symbolizes his entire character journey that he basically starts on actively in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> in an explicit, in an explicit way. Like, literally, he get. I don't think he would have achieved Colinar even if Vidra hadn't, like, tweaked him out of his meditation. I think mm. she would have, would have gone been, and, It would not have been as fulfilling no. as he thought it was going to be. No, mm-hmm. and he would have left anyway. God damn it. Yeah. Sorry. The wig! The wig. Let's go yes, back to the, the wig. wig. Oh, the Carry wig on. is God. awful. His hippie commune yeah. wig. It's like fluking out in all sorts of weird directions, and it's like shaggy and hippie and gross. It's and very it looks sad. Like Everyone looks gross. Everyone okay, looks gross. McCoy looks like Howard Hughes. <gasps> Scotty's mustache! Scotty. Oh my God, I was okay. so mad when I Unpopular saw that mustache. Unpopular opinion, I think James Ewan rocks the mustache. Oh, disagree. Disagree. Well, you're free eh. to do so. Yeah. I, I didn't I find it as offensive as many other things in the movie so yeah <laughs> I think George Takei comes off well yes yeah. well, George obviously George Takei, George Takei is a timeless god mm-hmm. too true Michelle too true. Nichols Michelle mm-hmm. Nichols looks okay I yep. wasn't thrilled with her hair and or makeup no, choices and Michelle, the beige did nothing for Michelle her. Nichols was styled in uh, an offensive and like just awful manner like whoever yeah. did her styling costume hair and makeup yes. should be a ashamed of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Be fired, and C never allowed to work in this industry again. That and is what. That is what I would. Sure dead. Oh, her is good. Hair is what I would have to call seventies buddy cop hair. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to Spock's wig, yeah. <laughs> what it reminds me of is that panel of weirdly hippie Vulcan children from the old comic books that goes around every so often. Yeah. Where they all have this weird 70s He-Man kind of bowl yeah. cut. He-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it looked like it was from that comic yes. book. Yes. Yes. Weird. So weird. Oh, God. Yeah. And his, like, ragged hippie robes were not really helping. Everyone looked like garbage. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. they rolled out of the hippie commune, only ate half their granola, the rest of it was in their beer. But like, like it was like, the are they saddest not... hippie commune of all time. Well, not sad, well, just 
lacking in emotion, Kim. Well, no, it was like a dull hippie company. There yes. weren't even orgies. Vulcan, so honestly, they were all depressed. If you don't have telepathy, Vulcan must be very dull. Like, incredibly dull. I don't know what Amanda mm. does with her time. Uh, Vulcan Miss. is beautiful. Vulcan is interesting. There's a shit ton of stuff to do on Vulcan. Don't, don't say bad Including things Including thinking, pondering, <laughs> reading, considering, sightseeing, loot sitting, playing, game loot playing, playing, and knitting boxy sweaters. Mm. <laughs> well, probably not to wear on Vulcan because the ambient temperature is like 39 degrees. <sighs> every once, every 10 which, years, space you get to is cold. Which is basically... <laughs> <laughs> The temperature on the temperature on Vulcan is basically the only thing keeping me from moving there. I need some air conditioning <laughs> the before only, the thing. only thing. So glad that we figured that out. <laughs> also, um, speaking of games and things to do, the rec room <laughs> was a very depressing rec room oh indeed. It was. That is the rec room of nightmares. It is again all beige. Mm-hmm. The ambient noise is birds tweeting. Yes! What the fuck was with the birds? I honestly I for understand. five minutes was like, oh, did we adopt two birds? <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing about the rec room is it's like, this is clearly like an artificial environment. Like, it's screaming in your face. But at the same time, I was like, so they have those SAD lights everywhere, yeah. right? <laughs> like, everywhere. There is one game that you can play. Like, they didn't figure out how to design <laughs> a rec area until the Enterprise D? Yes, because there's one game. There's floor shuffleboard. <laughs> but then there's also, let's sexually put our hands on panels that are on the table. And just, like, I don't even know. And they hadn't worked out how to make holograms in movies yet, so they couldn't even make it look like it might be cool. Did anything happen when they put their hands on no. the panels? No, I think something lit up like, and that was it. Stared meaningfully into each Mainly other's that. blank eyes. They 100% could have done holograms. This came out after Star Wars. Okay, no excuses then. Yeah, no. Yeah, anytime, this was dull for no reason. Anytime any of the, like, the, the quality... You want or, something cool to happen. Yeah, and you're like, and anytime mm. you're like, oh, at the time. And then I'm like, no, Star Wars came out I the year before. I was very irritated no that... Yeah. Okay, so I was very irritated that all of the, the cool tech we see is almost all of it, except for the warp core, which looked amazing. Good job, guys. Yes. Um, well, compared to the warp core on the Enterprise, the, the mm. previous Enterprise, the previous iteration of this Enterprise, is that you had all of this tech on display, like, choking you with it. But yeah. all of it was dormant when we saw mm-hmm. it. None of it yeah. did a goddamn thing. I'm like... Why is it just sitting there? Turn it on. Make it make noises. Give us some fucking holograms. Something. Okay. I would like to point out that the director of this movie, Robert Weiss, directed The Sound of Music and directed West Side Story. What? I thought he was a hack. What? Yeah. The director of Sound of Music, which is a thrilling film. Yeah. And West Side Story, which I hate, but can appreciate it from a visual point of view. Yeah, yeah. Like, how could you have so little vision for a film like this? How could like, the man who so effectively directed nuns come okay, up with Kim, this garbage? Kim, they weren't real nuns. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I would hazard a guess that it comes down to the visual effects nature mm-hmm. of the movie that they wanted the visual effects heavy, and then the editing. Some, Everything comes down to editing. Yeah, yeah. and so somebody got in there and was like, this is what we need to showcase. But it's so cold, and it's so... Mm -hmm. I guess if that's your theme, like, it's so cold, and it's so sterile, and so impersonal. But not in a good way. Not in a narrative way. No, No. and it doesn't make sense for the kind of show that Star Trek watched, which was... I don't know. The technology is there, and Mm -hmm. it's not super set-dressed, but it feels cozy. 
Yeah. yeah. If it by that feels, you mean cramped, yes. It was, yeah. D- yeah. But it feels alive and human. Yeah. In use. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, they, they managed to make it look shiny and slick, but not to make it look like a place where people lived. Every other Enterprise, you can feel the presence of the ship. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's not there. This one, when you go back and talk about Star Wars, this Enterprise and this Federation felt more Empire than <laughs> it did Rebel Alliance. Yeah. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, the aesthetics and the feel mm-hmm. of how, like, just cold and sterile things Shiny were. Shiny and but clean. the best yeah. part about Star... No, no, no. Scale a fucking back, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the good things... <laughs> One of the good things about the ship design and the set design in Star Wars is that it always looks used. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's got that very 80s, the aesthetic that I hate, which is like dirty, <laughs> grungy, slick, slightly but it's weird on purpose. Yeah. And it yeah. tells a story. It does. You, you, when you look at a ship on Star Wars, you're like, oh, I get this. Like, mm-hmm. it is for sure a society that is dominated te- by technology, but there are still people using it because they're mm-hmm. making yeah, people live here. on it. Mm-hmm. And they're using it. And it makes sense the way that the weird stains are on the floor. This is how they use the mm-hmm. space. But it felt like that these people had been artificially introduced to the space. And as soon as the scene was done, someone came along with a giant hook and just <laughs> pulled all the people out and swept down and then they left it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can kind of get behind that idea if only because we are supposed to think like this is the first trip that this ship has ever had. It's, but even Starfleet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Starfleet it stuff, felt like the very bases and everything was very sterile. But I, I can get behind like the ship feeling brand new because it yeah, was supposed yeah. to be brand new. Absolutely. But you know, you're right. Even this stuff we saw on the space stations and stuff, it felt very empire-y. Although I did like mm-hmm. the big crowd scene where they were addressing pe- like the whole crew. That's the first time we're on a starship where I actually believe there's more than like six people on the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were first visually all, like yeah, 200 people. It was a sea of beige. Yes. Oh, yeah. such like an ugly an scene to look at. DLC. But I liked I liked actually seeing the number of people that we were always told were there but never really saw. Fine. Mm-hmm. There was a crowd scene. Like this this ship actually felt physically crowded, like not crowded, but like there was a crew. It felt to me there were times when it felt cluttered. Like when yeah. people yeah. walk yeah. on the there bridge so for the people. first time and there's like 35 people on that bridge yeah. and I'm like the bridge is huge oh my god it was too it almost felt like it went to the other extreme of yeah. not enough to yeah. too many people this is the biggest bridge we ever see on an Enterprise wow possibly on a Federation starship is, is that is actually the, is this, this the A this is still the this is still the original ship it's a oh. refit of the original Enterprise okay. NCC 1701 yeah. we see the registration number like four times Oh, in the tracking shots where we go yes, over those. where we go over each letter individually. Yes, that. And we slowly mm-hmm. pan out in real time as mm-hmm. if we were drifting away from it in space. <laughs> yep. To finally get the long. No, no, Crane. If we were drifting away from it in space, we'd be moving a lot faster. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> from the push of a fingertip. Oh my god. Boy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, what is the thesis statement of this film? Humans love to bang robots. I mean, um, he doesn't as a metaphor, really sure. Sex with her. He melds his being yeah. with her yeah. robot. Yeah. Is it some- under a wind machine? Yeah. It might be something to do with, like, gay exploration? Like, no. I don't. Sorry, I'm but not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, keep your No, mom. it isn't. Because it's not about exploration, because the thing that goes exploring nope. gets corrupted. I've got it. Okay, fine. So, like, no, sorry. One of the last lines um, that is what would have been the quip off of this were one of the episodes where they're there all standing around on the bridge. Movie, right? There wasn't into this movie. Yes. No, it just kind of petered out. Where they're all standing. Where they're all standing on the bridge, 
right before Kirk's like, fuck this, we're going on a trip. And also, like, oh yeah, those two guys who were part of the crew, mm, they're missing. It's yeah. fine. They're never coming back. Bye. Um, (laughs) Basically, Vidra ascends, because what we need is more fucking ascended beings. Mm. Yeah. Um, And basically, Kirk's like, I think we gave it the ability to define its own sense of purpose out of our own human weaknesses. That's just Star Trek. Uh, The ability to to choose to be more than you are, to decide what you're going to be, to go beyond. But it killed Decker in the process. It didn't. And I didn't shed it. And Ilea, like I don't shed any. Okay, Ilea, that's totally Ilea, unfair. That's Decker, straight up he fucking walked right into yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Decker but did what he wanted to I do. I don't He's understand fine. how a he knew how to do that because then, mm-hmm. oh, this alien. Oh god, the end made me so bad. Where they're all just standing around and they're like, oh yeah, this must be what's going on. I can totally tell you how this is happening. That made yeah. me so angry. Also, there was a a leap of logic in there that made. No sense. Although it was very in keeping with the Star Trek episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's not. It's not as bad as there was a ticking clock. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which wasn't introduced until a solid hour in. When we find out we're four hours from Earth. No, it's more than an hour. We're more than halfway into this movie before the ticking clock is introduced. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's like this is again. This is paralleling Spock, basically Spock versus you know Kirk and I guess Bones, who at least has gotten rid of the beard pretty quickly. Which I found very distracting. It was just like, <laughs> what like is Howard. in there? The leisure, the leisure shit with the beard and the medallion was Full so secret. He looks face. like he oh thinks he's a sex guru. I yeah. loved it so much when he showed up like that. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> okay, can we also briefly talk about when he shows up and Bones is like freaking out on Kirk? Like, I cannot believe you kidnapped me from my con- commune. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's line to Bones. Yes. Yeah. Bones, I need you. Badly. Yeah, yeah, yes. I yes. fell off the couch. I was oh, laughing God. so hard. If only it had focused more on, like, what broke up their little threesome. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever find out either. They just get back together and slowly Bad fix trip, man. Bad trip. <laughs> yeah. I could just go on interjecting <laughs> things that I did not like or did not understand about this movie until I'm blue in the face. Mm. I did not like this movie. I did. I feel like there was a good movie in there somewhere, and a lot of it ended up getting scrapped. That sums yeah. up so yeah. much of original series. That There's is very a good true. episode in there somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> that was somehow edited into nonsense by the same hack who did the sound of music. <laughs> Well, see, he wouldn't be editing. No. That's the thing. It's all editing. The only reason Star Wars is watchable is because it's it's editing. So the flip side. very, very true. Marsha Lucas. Mm. Let's all talk about Stephen Collins for, like, five minutes. Is that the guy who played Decker? That's the guy who plays Decker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Child molester. (gasps) No! Really? Um, Let me just go down. He had inappropriate sexual content. Conduct with three female minors in 1973. Like in real life? Yes. Oh, God. In 1994. Ew. Yes. He's gross. And it's like, ew. So really being scanned by a giant ascending robot is less than he deserved. Okay. Putting that aside, that we know that the actor is (laughs) a steaming pile of garbage. Somewhat handsome. I would say the handsome and per- handsomest person in this movie. Again, this was such a hard watch for me. Yeah. Such a hard I watch. I don't know. Like, I felt like he was supposed to be good looking, but there was just something off oh, for me. Oh, it's because he's the father in Seventh Heaven. Yeah, that's And every exactly time he slightly turned his head, you're like, oh, wait. I never watched Seventh Heaven, but that's exactly what it was. It's because he was the dad on Seventh Heaven. Mm. 
it was on this specific time in CTV and we only got the one channel, so we would hate watch it. <laughs> and, like, you never really hate watch until you hate watch something as an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't understand. I, I get Decker up until the point. Mm-hmm. Up until the point where he's like, I know what to do. Yes! Where the fuck did that come from? Well, maybe this is where the telepathy comes in that they never mention. Also, we mm. get maybe 30 seconds of their, like, star-crossed relationship. Mm-hmm. And if there had been more of that on the screen, I would have been like, yeah, okay, fine. I totally get it. He's missed her all this time. They're still in love. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. The only way they can be together is for him to get scanned into the robot. Yeah. Go. Is but that, the, that is the only way he is going to get him some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I think that we have done a grave injustice to the fucking ridiculous headband that he plonks on her bald head which looks like I don't know the finest filigree on a 1980s prom dress it looks like something you would put on a little bald baby girl so people knew it was a girl yes in a Sears portrait yes Yes. the fabric looked like the stuff you get on like dinosaur costumes where it's like fuzzy with little shiny bits (laughs) but with like beads there were sequins on it for sure sequins yeah and that poor I mean, actress. I, I don't want to judge the fashion of an entire like, culture. I but, do. I will. But Corrine's here. I will. So. No, that was bullshit. And she should be ashamed. And I felt so bad for the actress. Not only is she being asked to wear what is essentially like a shirt. Mm. Yeah. With her cooch hanging out. Or her vijur. <laughs> her vijur. <laughs> her vijur's hanging out. Oh, then, no, no. In dignity of all, the father from seventh heaven plonks this like gross shoulder corsage over her bald head and is like look how beautiful you are you love this you love this and you're so pretty oh my god oh my god talk about will and deanna troy parallels in the book imzadi at the Betazoid wedding where Will meets Deanna and she's super naked, all she's wearing is a headband. <laughs> that he ends up they keeping. Get very, they get very elaborate with the hairstyles, as I recall, at Betazoid weddings because there's not a whole lot else to dress up. <laughs> Betazoid oh weddings are done in the nude. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was a yeah. complete sidetrack. It That's just reminded fine. me, but. I feel like we oh, The funny thing about, about Decker and Ilea is that, like, I know, I, I think I had less, I was less bothered by the leap at the end because I was filling stuff in in my head from Will and Deanna. Because mm-hmm. we get more about Will and Deanna's relationship, we are more convinced about, like, the strength of their affection for each other and, like... Due to the, acting? The predestined... Due to acting. In, like, the first, oh, what, 15 seconds? It's great. That they're on like, screen oh, together? You. Oh, mm-hmm. like, your penis has definitely been inside of me. <laughs> But we're going to keep it professional. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they yeah, still yeah. manage to do it, even when they're not actually together, even, like, in the years before. It's like, yeah, I understand you guys care about each other a lot, it's, and whether or not you are technically romantically involved or not, I believe that you care deeply for each other. Because they, in the first 15 seconds, they're both on screen together. But they allow Deanna Troy to be warm and human, where mm-hmm. they force this lady to mm-hmm. be cold and robotic at the very beginning. Also so cut out nearly everything yeah, she's but, in. In her scenes that she is in, I don't know if she's capable of emotion. Yeah. It's yeah. a question mark. Like, apparently they are, but it's not obvious. Like, again, I think I, the one cut scene that I've seen with her, she laughs and smiles. Bullshit! Seriously, this is before she gets, you know, probed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. like canonically, the very little canon we get for Dalton's is that they're very, they're, they're fun. 
but we they don't get mine. anything of that from this movie, and you needed it. This is mm-hmm. just like every other original series episode where it's like if we had had two seconds of like her background or her motivations or her POV, this episode would be like 45% better. Yep. This is like that. It's like a large part of the plot is unconvincing because it's tell rather than show. Yeah. Because we don't get their relationship cemented and we don't get her character cemented. So it's hard to feel bad that she's been scanned and... Because she's a robot already. Made into mm-hmm. a as robot. As far as I know. Because yeah. we have no real yeah. emotional attachment to her except that we're told we should because this blue-eyed white dude loves her. And also she's one of the only ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Although there are... Uh, subs- I mean, oh, yeah. this let's, movie's... Let's go into our count. Do we want the count now? Any other objections? No. No, no, no. Dr. Chapel, she got promoted yeah. first to Dr. Oh, yeah. good for her. I was but so happy with when that. I, heard, I was like, yay, doctor. And then I was like, we need to have so much more respect for nurses. God! Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> It, it, it felt That's very like... not the first time that happens. That nurses get promoted. I mean, it's the first time it ha- that are ever happening. No, but uh, in TNG, Ogawa becomes a doctor later, too. Mm. Oh, does she? Yep. Yeah. Is that much just later. an alternate... No, no, that actually happens. She, beca- she becomes, in one of the movies, she's Dr. Ogawa. Hmm. So, yeah, someone is not researching that properly. Because yeah. as much as I love, like, yes, she's a doctor. They do that's different great. jobs. It's a completely different yeah. thing. And nurses are so very important. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a very, like, we're liberated and feminist. Yeah. She's a doctor now. Also, yeah. Also, Chapel's still with the brown hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not recognize her. <laughs> her voice is so distinctive. Not enough big hair in this movie. No. Like, it was kind of out at Where's this point. Where were my giant Star Trek lady, yeah. dude, like, lady dudes? They weren't cool anymore. Oh. Yeah. And they don't ever really, really come back. Like, they get a little elaborate you again. You do get big hair. You get, Deanna has the biggest hair of all. Yeah, yeah. For a while. And then, like, I really like in, um, Janeway has some impressive hair. Yeah. In it, Voyager. It's a mm. bouffant. It's yeah. a bouffant, but it's not complicated. And Jadzia no. also has a lot of complicated, intense hairdos. They're not, too. but they're not like their their jedzias are all very serviceable. Like, yes, but you could you could kick a Klingon's ass in that and it won't move. And we know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like you still you do still see echoes of like the a Star lot Trek, of yeah. like big hair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move into Ari. Your count. I don't think we talked enough about how I need to cry over the tiny robots. <laughs> you can do that on your own time. <laughs> okay. So this is actually I I was like this movie's two hours long, but proportionally, there's still way more of everything than any individual Star Trek episode ever had. We have 29 ladies. Okay, my first two counts, I have to note, are probably way low because there was a point in the giant crowd scenes where I stopped trying. But, okay. Much like the movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So 29 ladies, 27 people of color, and a new category for this, 14 ladies with speaking parts. So, not too bad. They were clearly going by the make sure 50% of the crowd is mm, mm. rule because it was visibly, visibly higher than an episode has ever been. Cool. Mm-hmm. Kim, your count. All right, dead people. <laughs> um, we have got three destroyed Klingon cruisers. So, yeah. assume 200 crew complement 600 dead Klingons. Great. We have got two people melted in a terrible transporter accident. Ilya gets shanked and <laughs> Decker Did she get shanked? I'm assuming that she went over there and V'ger like poked out a little knife or yeah, something. Yeah, with his little prison ship. Yeah, I, I'm filling in the blank. I think the plasma just killed her. Yeah, even if yeah. not being like, like she was being like, yeah, molecularly disintegrated so that you can be turned into energy and skin. I like my ro- fun. I like robotic shanking a lot better. I mean, that's it fair. happened off screen anyway, so I'm assuming. Good enough. And Decker's dead? 
Missing. Missing. So Missing. we have 600 dead Klingons and four dead humans. Also, all Epsilon the Station. Epsilon Station. Mm-hmm. Oh, did Epsilon yep. Station get destroyed? Yeah, yeah. did. I it was watched not it paying attention. <laughs> that happens during, like, the, the meeting in the big room where yes. they put it up on screen. They just stand there and watch it happen. All right. So it's fine. Three dead Klingon cruisers, two to 600 dead cl- the humans on a, spa- on a space station, <laughs> and four dead characters on screen. Mm-hmm. Good. So that's a Pretty Ashley, considering that's some low. of the other, that's low body It's not count. billions. That's a low yeah. ball. It's under yeah. a billion. Not low too ball. bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, performance of the episode. We will start Ari. Who are you giving performance of the episode to? I am absolutely giving it, even though her screen time was far lower than it should have been, to Persis Kambada. Okay. Uh, Kim. Samesies. Yeah, also. I also thought she was great. Yeah. Here's I wanted the movie to be 60% about her experiences before and after probing. And I just thought she did a great <laughs> job with the material. Yeah. I am also... Fuck, this kills me. William Shatner did a good job. He did. Leonard Nimoy yes. did a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. DeForest Kelly did a job. He did a DeForest job. DeForest Kelly showed up. Yeah. Put on the costume and grew that a beard. costume. He did his job. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. You know what? There were some great, like... Like Kirk Spock moments, like that scene in the sick bay after like Spock steals a spacesuit and like fucks off into the poor choice of words orifice, yeah. <laughs> and he's like space drunk, and they have a little hand holding moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. hand holding associate. At least I'm going to ask you because I have a question. There is tons of shots in this movie where it's like two people, and one of them is in the foreground, oh, yeah. and one of them's kind of in the background, and there's this weird blurring around the other person. Mm-hmm. What the balls is up with that? I don't know. I like, I noticed that on a few shots and it feels like, I don't know which way they did that effect. And I don't know why. Cause it doesn't seem like a, like a, a rack focus, which is where you would focus sharply in the foreground or the background yeah. and the other one. It feels like maybe it was a lens smudge or something. Like but it's you on would... a whole bunch of shots. Yeah, and it's never on anyone's face. I know. It's it's, it's really round in their face. I think it's it came out the remastering because I don't remember ever noticing it before. I think no, I've never I watched think, a remastered copy they, before. They cut two scenes together. Or but it isn't shots. always in places where there's a space between them. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. I noticed it in a couple of places. There's like three people in the middle of the screen, and like, See, this weird corner is. I would totally love to hard argue hard. with you, and then we could go back and rewatch the movie. Mm, and but count you won't. It, but I will never watch it again. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like most of the shots, it was two people. Yeah. And one of them was just like surrounded in this halo of smudge. I mean, it's like, also possible I that I never noticed out. it before because it was always a much lower res copy I was watching. That's possible. This was yeah. a very, really very. It's such a weird thing to do. Remastered. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to, like, look at screen caps again and see what, like, where it occurred and why. I noticed it in a few spots and kind of went, that is an odd choice and I don't know what you did. so weird. Like, I love a good bit of soft lighting, especially mm-hmm. on young Shatner. Like, <laughs> he just sparkled. Mm. But in this, it was very noticeable and very strange. There were some really odd cinematic choices in this. Um, there was a few... I think when the Enterprise is finally taking off for the first time, we get this really weird down shot on Kirk for no truly apparent reason. And then we get this shot of his screen, but it's sideways as if it's still the same down shot, but now we're looking at the screen. <laughs> so you do, you can't actually read the screen. 
And there's a number of those where I'm like, what? Bizarre what experimental doing? camera angles. Another proud Star Trek yeah, tradition. It's not even experimental. Yeah. Just like, is that well, the best way like, to block that shot? In, in the birth control episode where we have the shot from underneath the table. Yeah. Up okay. into everyone's nostrils. It's like, someone let Larry loose with the camera and the drugs mm-hmm. again. Or the shot from underneath the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of my favorite shots. Yeah. yeah. Um... But this one, there there are a number of yeah. really odd choices. Yeah, and I feel like perhaps they did not storyboard this. Oh, yes, <laughs> no. Oh, hell no. What, can you mean, imagine the storyboards? didn't plan anything ahead. Can you imagine the storyboards for all those tracking shots? It's like 850 pages of just the same picture I, oh slightly to the left. If I handed that in to a director, like, this whole movie, I kept thinking, if I handed this board in, <laughs> it it would not go through. This is not what would happen. Again, a number one of my questions, one of my favorite podcasts as well, how did this get made? Um, that sort of reminded me, um, there's a great podcast that I enjoy listening to called You Are Awaited, which is a Mad Max Fury Road podcast, <laughs> and they had on the guy who did the storyboarding, mm. and oh. he talked about how they just had boards that went around the room multiple <laughs> times because that show is so visually heavy mm-hmm. but every moment was boarded out mm-hmm. and you're right this doesn't feel like there was any planning places yeah. well i mean live action does not necessarily board stuff it's sometimes it's left yeah just yeah. to you know the but you'd have to have a vision right yeah and so often what happens is like like these um these star wars boards um they're mostly moments. They're like, yeah. you'll see, and they set, it's more of a cinematography They start, they start Star Wars with the art, and then they just yeah. go from there. That's in the documentary. But yeah. that makes sense, to start from beats that you want to hit. Yeah. yeah, and so it's not the same as, like, cartoons where you would, you have to plan out every moment. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you get the general idea and kind of the sort of shot you want, and then you would make the story make sense still. Yeah. Um, which this just n- did not. They mm-hmm. yeah. they shot some stuff and then they cut it together. <laughs> is is what it seems like. Or if there was boarding, it might have been ignored. <laughs> Entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we come to what I think is going to be the most difficult part of this: life lessons to take away from this movie. Also, how did the aliens call it V'ger instead of Voyager? Because it got covered in oil. They don't have eyeballs. They're computers. Uh, they had the golden record that they probably could have easily figured out the English language. Yeah, why didn't they just listen to it? Hi, my name is Voyager. Also, the golden did... record doesn't actually involve... I come from the planet. So, you probably all know this, but both of the Voyager probes included something called the golden record. Well, I don't know. You, you've seen the X-Files, at least so have you. This is mentioned several times. But the Voyager probes both had something on it called the golden record, which was, I think, it, I think it was a vinyl, but it was like that kind of physical recording medium. And it had all sorts of crap on it. It was chosen. It was information. It was music. It was philosophy. It was history. It was art, yeah, poetry. Uh, it was chosen by committee. It's which was, hit. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It was chosen by a committee which was chaired by Carl Sagan, who was yes. super involved in the Voyager program. Um, no, and she was right. I didn't know this. <laughs> uh, the pale blue dot photo and accompanying yeah. lecture were um, taken and given in like, like 20 years after the Voyager probe was launched. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Here's the fun thing. We still get telemetry from both the Voyager probes. Is that crazy? We're going to continue to do so until their RTG generators die out in 2025, which okay. is sad. Okay, so 
if they're supposed to have these, like, this Voyager thing was probably supposed to have some kind of record of humanity mm-hmm. on Including it. Including how to speak most of languages on yes. Earth. Then why the fuck didn't V'ger understand what was happening when they were, like, scanning them and, like, calling them and being like, yo, dude, what's up? Why you got a gold cloud? And why did they damaged. have to change to his language in Because order for by them the time V'ger made it back to Earth, we don't use radio anymore. And also, at least you want to... I, well, see... I think the Cybertronians <laughs> took that record, which is why we get them in 1984, oh, they show up. Oh, so yeah. they sent Voyager, and Voyager did not have sentience when he left. No. So he gained it, had no record of anything, yeah. and could only look in his sad little mirror and see feature. Yeah. But yeah, Cybertronians, and then we get the next, uh, you know, Transformers. Yeah. Plus, we hit the, the Voyager... <laughs> Makes sense! <laughs> the Voyager probe is damaged when it gets to Cybertron. Mm. Yeah. And that they're the ones who give it the capability to become sentient. So mm-hmm. a lot of like lost information, but they definitely could have spoken English enough to have it give it the ability to like incorrectly pronounce its name based on what was visually available. They It's possible. Don't have eyeballs. You don't know that? Yes, I do. No, you don't. I've seen Cybertronians. They totally have eyeballs. They absolutely they have, have eyeballs. They don't see things. Oh, they do. They absolutely do. No. It would be silly for machines to evolve Elise to sentience without the developing. This is transformer expert. Yeah. You have to bow to her. They 100% have Eyeballs or sensors, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> of which, of the visual variety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can they read? And they clearly yes. understand what things look they like, or they wouldn't have bothered creating. They wouldn't have bothered creating a robot Ilya because she states that her purpose is to look less threatening than mm-hmm. what Vijay could have sent. So yeah, it can see. When Spock goes through the orifice. <laughs> <Yes>. Say that <laughs> word a few more times. No! Oh, you have an annual on his 2001 and LSD journey. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is he seeing i think exactly what we're seeing plus some telepath stuff so i think he's on a bad trip yeah yeah i think that's definitely how it seems when he comes out it's like he's coming down from a really weird trip yeah i don't think he went very far i think he just got hit with a psychic blast and was like that's a good point the entire universe yeah okay actually that's a really good point because we could either be seeing what's actually there or just what spock's seeing because there's a lot of like super close-ups on both spock's face Mm -hmm. and just the back of his head with the screen much wider but then he sees ilea there yeah is that her body I, I don't think it's her body. It's like he describes what he sees because he sees like planets and solar systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sees the entire universe. He basically gets into V'ger's hollow deck, which is like everything that V'ger's experienced and scanned and stored. Mm-hmm. So inside of it, inside of it. So it's like it's a like hollow deck. But I don't think it can be. A, it can physically look like this because when the Enterprise goes through it, we don't see that again. So I think he is actually interfacing with V'ger's database or, yeah. or whatever at that point. So that what he's seeing is a is like. A metaphor for what is actually in the database, okay, but from like an which end does user explain experience. the giant Ilya much more yeah. than if there were literally yeah. a giant Ilya. Yeah, that makes much more. I sense. think it's just the information being, yeah, being bombarded filtered into his, into his yeah. psychic powers. Yeah, yeah. I and, think that that does make a lot of sense. Okay. Can I say how happy I am that this movie returned the grand con- tradition of Spock going rogue? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just really and he couldn't even he be bothered. Here's the best part: he couldn't be bothered to take. A real spacesuit. I'm no, sure there no. are dozens, hundreds on this ship, because on real spaceships, you have one for everyone on board. But, like, no, he took an emergency evacuation one that could only, like, thrust for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Come on, Spock, I know you're cap- more capable of planning ahead. You've mutinied successfully at least twice. I 
feel like this is a cry for help from mm-hmm. Spock. Well, in a lot of, literally. Well, he's having, like, a crisis, so I guess he could be forgiven for some errors in judgment. Mm-hmm. He is in the middle of, like, a life-changing, and after this very life-changing, crisis of faith mm-hmm. sort of thing. All right, fine. Ari, what is your life lesson that you can take away from this film? I think you want me to go last. Do I? Yeah, because you guys just want to riff on it, and I actually have feelings. <laughs> It's true, before we started this movie, she snapped at me. <laughs> because you spent the first ten minutes going, Ugh. Uh, it's an accurate assessment of the movie. It's also because it's a subjective assessment saw, of the movie. I finally saw the cover of it, and I finally, like, something yeah. in my brain put two and two together, and I'm like, wait, that's Shatner's face. Yeah, she spent the first to my baby. She spent the first 10-15 minutes of the movie wailing over the the decline of William Shatner. It was until one I was minute. like I was going to throw something at it her. It was 1 minute. His That's a long time. Beautiful face and his uh-huh. beautiful hair. Mm-hmm. It was over Crane. Oh, it was God. over in 1979. So hard to handle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, I have a life sad. lesson so I will start this off. Okay, Kim, what is your life if you are dissatisfied with the direction of your career is going, bullying your way back into your old position and kidnapping your best friends to join you is not a good thing to do. You should just change jobs. <laughs> Disagree. I think it worked out for yeah, him, so... Like, that's not a lesson that he learned. He learned that no matter what he does, he was definitely in the right, because anyone who opposed him died. Yeah, yeah that's what I learned. Hmm. Okay. Elise, what is your life lesson to take away from this film? Uh, we're going to get robots. There's there's going to be robots there are in space. Robots. In space. space. They're going to come back. They're going to come and get us. Okay. Yeah. So beware the oncoming I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, it's going to happen, apparently. Cool. <laughs> cool. I think that mine is going to be once you shat, you can come back. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Crane. I feel so bad for you, Crane. It's just like all of my dreams just died. All right, Ari, give us some emotions. Okay. So the central thrust of this movie, I mean, the first 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. The first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie the are basically a loss. <laughs> yeah. But the central point of the antagonist's journey, of Viger's journey, is Viger must evolve. Okay. And that's repeated over and over again once the movie actually starts. Um, it's also Spock's turn that he must go beyond what he always thought that he had to be. And that is very, very central to being Star Trek. Star Trek repeats over and over again that in order to survive, humanity must change. Humanity must evolve. And Voyager, especially at the time this movie was made, was so central to the the idea in popular culture that not only would we survive, but we would be amazing. We would go out there, we would explore space, we'd learn all that was learnable. Colonize space, we'd get better than what we are, we would evolve, we would survive, we would thrive. And V'ger ascending after eating at least two people, and unknown <laughs> millions of others, um succeeds in doing that because it goes beyond what it thought was its purpose. It redefines its sense of purpose. It gives itself a new purpose. It rewrites its program. It rewrites its programming. It evolves. It gets to decide for itself who it's going to be and what it's going to be and why. That's very much what Roddenberry often said about Star Trek, is that if we are to survive, we must 
be better, we must be more, we must go beyond what is familiar, what makes us feel safe. And then when we do, it'll be amazing. I'm, I'm cheering up a little bit, but it's just because they're tiny space robots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, let's go watch Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> May the fourth be with you. <laughs> Hey listeners, which is a title I bestow on you because you are, after all, still listening to me speak. If you like us, like Star Trek, like the show, or any combination of the three, do us a favor and subscribe to and rate us on iTunes so that other people can like us too. You can also tweet about us or tumble about us or whatever verb word that describes the social media platform of your choice. If it helps, we both like and appreciate you.